0: Hey, I'm Assad Sirkat I'm Jeremiah Budin. And you're listening to The Appeal, the Curbed Podcast. Today, we're going to be talking to Amy Osherman. She's the archivist at furniture company Herman Miller. And for listeners who don't know, Herman Miller is the big company behind some iconic works of furniture, such as the Eames lounge chair, which you may or may not have heard of.
1: Or seen on Mad Men, as we all have. And <laughs> exactly. <loved.
0: laughs> and, and in, you know, the living rooms of anyone who's ever Instagrammed, it seems like a pretty
1: popular piece. Uh, but as much as we all know and love that chair, not a lot of people know about kind of the history of the company and everything that it does. And that's what we're going to be talking to Amy about today. So stick around.
0: Yeah, so we like to start with a question that we've gotten some pushback on recently, but that's fine. Yeah, we're
1: committed to it. (laughs) We're committed to it. This is our podcast question is, when you're at a cocktail party, uh, how do you explain to people what you do?
2: I knew this was coming, and so I thought about it. I mean, very generally for people that aren't usually doing research or really understand library archives, I say I work in the marketing department of a furniture company Okay, because really that's true. Um, but you know, I manage the historic resources for a hundred plus year old furniture company and that ranges from, um, photography, uh, photography design drawings, advertisements, any sort of publications that are generated when you're trying to sell furniture to people. So I manage, you know, Herman Miller is, was started, you know, in 1905. So there's a lot of material there to suss through and find the goodies. So that's what I do.
0: So um, how did you become an archivist? Like what was your trajectory to this, to this role and to this career?
2: Well, um, I studied art history at Indiana University, and in my undergrad I worked at the Lilly Library, which is the rare books and manuscripts library Mm -hmm. on campus, and I wasn't necessarily um, a design person going into school. Um, but I knew that I wanted to work in some sort of special library. And then towards the end of my graduate program at IU um, in library science, I got an internship at the Indianapolis Museum of Art working in their and archives. Cool. And then while I was there, um, the IMA won an NEH grant to digitize the archival collection that came with the Miller House and Garden. So kind of backtracking. The Miller House um, is in Columbus, Indiana, and it was designed by Aero Saarinen uh, with Alexander Girard, who did a lot of the interiors. Kevin Roche did the landscape architecture. So it's just this amazing trifecta of Mm -hmm. all the greats. Um, And the Millers who built the home basically had a property management group uh, for their house. So everything from the design, building, and maintenance of the home from 19... mid 1950s to when they gave it over to the IMA in the mid 2000s um I mean again design so all of the early design drawings a lot of the early correspondence from hey I bought the land arrow do you want to (laughs) come build here anytime soon um to the very end to things like end of life um modifications to the home so putting a bar in the bathroom but all of that was documented and Mm -hmm. then given over to the art museum when they um, got the house and then we won a grant to digitize it I worked on that project and that was sort of my um, design education I bet I mean
0: (laughs) what a like intensive experience you've got this like living piece of history that you can walk into and that you have to deal with you know, all these documents
2: well, about and its life. You yeah, know? and it was very um very thorough. So from changing a screw inside of a cabinet in the kitchen to, hey, Gerard picked out this new tchotchke to go <laughs> on the storage wall. Um so it's it's really complete. Um And so that – I worked on that project for two and a half years and then was recruited by Herman Miller after that project just because I was kind of the perfect weirdo that (laughs) knew um, really of Gerard's work very well um, and then sort of that era in and of itself, which is kind of what I think people who think of Herman Miller, they either put them in the the Aeron cubicle Mm -hmm. – kind of basket or oh the Eames Nelson Gerard <laughs> greatest hits um, people have very I think distinct uh, interactions with the brand or the company um, and my work at the IMA really informed obviously the early early part
0: so you've talked about this a little bit but for listeners who are not familiar with Herman Miller can uh-huh. you give like a
1: brief... A brief history of Herman Miller? <laughs> no pressure. Well pull something from the archives.
2: Uh, right.
1: Oh,
0: groan.
2: So I guess I'll start with um, West Michigan in general. Uh, Grand Rapids is known as Furniture City or was known as Furniture City. It started with the Lumber Barons coming in, deforesting West Michigan, and then out of that, along with um, a lot of Dutch immigrants coming to West Michigan who had the hand Mm. skills to build furniture. Mm. Um, So the furniture industry just sort of naturally bubbled up. Herman Miller, the company, actually started as Star Furniture Company in 1905, and we made antique reproduction furniture. Um, DJ Dupree, who was the first CEO of Herman Miller, um, around the time of the Great Depression, when the company wasn't doing well, hired... Uh, Gilbert Rohde, an industrial designer out of New York, um, who was really the first design director of Herman Miller, got the company started in making modern furniture by convincing DJ that it was better for the sort of lifestyle that was emerging in um, that time. Mm -hmm. I mean, if you think about antique reproduction furniture big ornate (laughs) not easy to move you don't have a staff of nine people to Mm. dust your furniture for you so it just really didn't make sense for city living i mean people were moving into cities everything becoming more urban so you needed furniture to fit within these new sort of living spaces
0: yeah for sure i mean unless you live in like a recreation of the Downton Abbey house. It's like, you probably don't have the staff required Uh, to keep your antique furniture.
2: Correct. So, Rhodey and his designs sort of got Herman Miller started on the path of um, manufacturing modern furniture. Mm. Rhodey died in the mid-40s, and then George Nelson came on as design director after that. Um, And really, sort of, he and his office... um, created the Furniture Line Herman Miller collection that a lot of people who are interested in that part of the history really know. Um, And then Nelson brought on Charles Eames and Noguchi, later Alexander Girard, um, so, Nelson was really this catalyst uh, to really bring all of these big-name designers to Herman Miller, who was in West Michigan, of all places. Um, and then 1968 comes around. Uh, Herman Miller introduced Action Office 2, which I think some would say is kind of the invention of the cubicle.
0: Mm. Um, and So, uh, so uh, you know— uh- A big moment in workspace design. A big moment.
2: (laughs) Um, I mean, but it was a a panel system that was easy to sort of um, move and evolve with the architecture going up at the time. I mean, Mm -hmm. it was post-war. People were going into offices. You needed to fit either as many people as possible into (laughs) a floor plate or a workspace. Um, But that really took off as an office furniture solution and changed Herman Miller as a business in terms of how much money we were making and um kind of turned herman miller into the contract furniture business that that's the bread and butter right. today yeah. um and then obviously later on bill Stumpf, don chadwick come in start studying ergonomics um we introduce aaron 1994 and then that's sort of the ubiquitous office yeah. chair see that,
0: you said pull some pull some stuff from the archives look It's all here. I do not not make
1: (laughs) jokes. That was a serious
0: thing that happened. (laughs) Yeah. So I'm curious. Mm -hmm. Do you, as someone who works with, uh, you know, historical documents and has such a keen eye for these things, Mm -hmm. do you spot mistakes on television shows?
2: Um, yes.
0: Tell us more.
2: (laughs) Well, um... So the television show Mad Men, which I've never heard of it, (laughs) um, actually, this was a bit before my time, but they consulted uh, the Herman Miller archives in set design. And they were wanting to make sure that if they were representing a specific era, that the furniture that they had would have been. Accurate at that time. Right. Well, (laughs) one, it's, it's usually pretty accurate, but one thing that I noticed, which is super nerd, um... There is an organization called BIFMA, which sort of sets the regulations for the office furniture industry. So the chairs that we're sitting on have five legs on their casters, and that is in an effort to make them more stable. Mm. Um, Before, in the 70s, chairs were on four legs, and so it was a lot easier to sort of... Fall over. What? Um, and so, that's why people
1: were just falling over constantly in Mad Men. Exactly.
2: <laughs> well, but in one of the episodes, they had, um, I think it was Eames' time life chairs on five star bases that I knew. Wow. And you were like, Colin,
0: been. your.
1: Bullshit oh, on <laughs> well, you know,
2: I'm like, oh, I'm one of maybe three people in the whole world that knows that that's not But if you, if you right. told <laughs>
1: Matthew Weiner about that, he would He'd be so he probably be
2: really pissed yeah, that's, uh, because they like, tried.
1: Yeah, that's, I feel like, the gold standard of shows trying to be historically accurate. I know. More, yeah, all like, of in, term, in terms of uh, set design, like, yeah. there's all those stories about him you know Mm -hmm. going through each set with a fine tooth comb and like moving every little bit of so if they if they couldn't get it perfect sorry matthew nothing yeah Um, i don't don't even want to hear about those other shows yeah unless
0: you hire amy as like a contract (laughs) accuracy employee
2: (laughs) why not um yeah so sometimes but then it's a lot of honestly um seeing um non-authentic product mm. on television shows that are clearly knockoffs of classic designs. So like Eames aluminum group chairs or, I mean, and to use the word again, they're very ubiquitous. You can mm. see it somewhere and not necessarily know what you're seeing. So the form itself, I think is sort of something that's riffed upon yeah. um, and then used for a look.
0: Yeah. And, and those those knockoffs, they sprout up all the time. I mean, obviously, on a television show, there's like a different right. goal there. But if you're like a, a homeowner or you know a renter or someone right. who just like wants a nice home, right? It's it can be enticing to go run out and buy the thing that isn't going to be as good in terms of its uh its the life of the product because it just won't last as long, right. it won't wear as well. Mm-hmm. And there also has been such an embrace of that of mid century modern, you know, that aesthetic. Yeah. Mad Men definitely had something to do with Uh, that.
2: (laughs) I would agree. I would agree. Yeah. And, you know, I think that forms like an Eames Shell chair or an Eames Aluminum Group chair or even an Aeron, it's the form itself that's very familiar. And I would say visual culture Mm -hmm. and people don't necessarily even know that they're buying a knockoff. If they're buying a knockoff, it's, they, they know, recognize and like the form. And they're just, that's sort of, um, work that Herman Miller is doing on the brand side. I report up through our brand team, um, to really do education more so within the marketing to have people know that Charles and Ray Eames designed the shell chair and, um, really getting this sort of name recognition. I mean, even still people know the phrase an Eames chair or the Aaron, but they don't necessarily know Herman Miller, the name. Um, And it's sort of within the marketing organization, you know, getting that brand awareness um, that also then lends itself to Our our product is made in Michigan, or a lot of it is made in Michigan. It's made in the States. It's made by people that are paid well, products that have gone through a vigorous (laughs) R&D process, and especially in the case of Eames products, it's a constant iteration on design. Um, And so a lot of work goes into the product, both with people's physical hands, the brain power. Um, So I would say, you know, it's a more ethically made product Mm. um, versus going and buying something that looks like an Eames chair that could have been made by children elsewhere. We don't want that. (laughs) We don't want that.
1: We're back for another of our Ask Curved segments in the middle of the podcast here. Uh, And today we got a Twitter question from one of our Twitter followers, at Mike Youngman asks, I have a two-bedroom in NYC, which means one bedroom is just a bed touching three walls. What can I do to spruce up that guest room?
0: So, great question. Probably a question a lot of folks who live in New York City and who live in cities probably have. And today we have our associate editor at Curb.com, Jenny Shia, in the studio with us. And she's going to be sharing her small space, tiny living Mm -hmm. wisdom. It's something that you write about on the site quite a bit
3: yeah definitely um first of all i think having a second bedroom in new york city is a good problem to have (laughs) yeah congratulations Um, yeah this is just a brag brag. (laughs) (laughs) but yeah it's a very real problem and i think for me the first easy thing you can do is to add plants um this is not just something that's trendy on instagram although it is (laughs) definitely (laughs) is Um, but plants just instantly add like some ooh ah some life and some light into your space um, and the better thing is that you can easily make it compact. Um, we've seen some great, like, wall-hanging plant mm-hmm. planters. Um, and you can also find a thin, very compact indoor planter that doubles as a shelf. So there's all these options out there, and it's really easy to just plop them in. Um, and also succulents. Also very trendy and so many options to choose from. Yeah, and if you you're the kind of person own. who
1: kills plants, succulents <laughs> are a great option because they're harder the to kill. I'm in the process of killing a succulent. <laughs> <laughs> I, I might be either watering it too much or too little. I don't know. But anyway.
0: Oh, we'll have to check in on that. But yeah, it's
1: not, it's not going well. <laughs> but yeah, I would imagine hanging things a good strategy since obviously not a lot of floor space to work with
3: yeah hanging things is just a good place to start and that's also kind of my second tip i guess which is using storage as decor um that's something that's a strategy that comes up again 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 in tiny apartments all over the world um you can like get some colorful fun boxes to hang on the wall and also use it to store some keys or st- well, maybe not in the guest room, but store.
1: store. <laughs> yeah, give, give all those guests all your keys. Fun
3: <laughs> knickknacks to inspire your guests or whatever. Yeah, the guest key can go in that box. <laughs> That's fair. Um, or just put them on the windowsill or something. So, yeah.
0: And did you have a third tip?
3: Well, it's kind of a wild card. And all it, right. I, We're into I, wild card. Yes. I prepared it just for Jeremiah. So.
0: <laughs> oh, <laughs> all right. All right.
3: So something that is kind of functional and also decor would be arranging books by color. (laughs) (laughs) Uh,
0: Jeremiah, for listeners who don't know, has a huge phobia of this.
1: (laughs) I'm not afraid of it. It's a, a, a hatred. Okay. A huge hatred. Right. No, I mean, uh, <laughs> I don't know. I feel like I've sort of chosen this as my, as my <laughs> thing to do. Because you're crossed to it's bear. Fi- it's fine. If you want to do that, it's fine.
3: Yeah, it's, it's kind of controversial around the curb office and online. But, you know, if you're into it, if you're into colors, that's something you can do with the books around your house right away.
1: Yeah. Cool. Yeah. So hopefully, Mike does all of these things <laughs> and really, and really lets those guests have a wonderful experience. Yeah, Mike, if
0: you are listening and we hope that you are because this, is, this moment is it's for right, you, this is <laughs> yeah, for if you. you don't,
1: if Mike doesn't listen, this, all, this whole thing was a waste. <laughs> yeah,
0: tweet at us some photos of your finished oh, yeah. guest room with some of these strategies from Jenny applied in, in the space. We would love to see them. And if you are another listener out there with any sort of home architecture decor question that you would like answered, you can always tweet at us at The Curbed Appeal. Thanks, Jenny, so much for coming in. Yeah, thank you. So on the Herman Miller Tumblr, mm-hmm. we've done some we've done some digging. Okay. <laughs> Someone asked you what your favorite find is in the Herman Miller House and Garden collection. Okay. And you mentioned things that were not realized. And I was like, hold up. Mm-hmm. What are we talking about mm-hmm. here? <laughs> so mm-hmm. what are some of those things that didn't, you know, reach completion, but that could have been awesome.
2: So that tumblr was done for the Miller House and Garden. Archive, And I'll say, because it is confusing, the Miller House by Saarinen doesn't have, um, is not connected directly to Herman Miller. Right.
0: So maybe it was a reblog to it the was, Herman Miller yes. Tumblr. Um, but that is where we ended up seeing it. Right.
2: So um, unrealized things in the Herman Miller archives. Um, there are a lot of great George Nelson lighting mm. designs that never came to fruition Um, a lot of nelson office furniture designs as well that we have drawings for but um, nelson and his team so irving harper ernest farmer john pyle etc were pretty much given carte blanche at herman miller so if somebody had an idea for a chair and they brought it to dj dupree and said this seems cool say okay put it in the line and we'll see how it does so they really were given, you know, complete freedom to try out anything. So we do have a lot of drawings that I are bet. things, you know, like a five-seater marshmallow sofa, um, stuff like that.
0: And I mean, the bubble lamp is such an icon. Mm-hmm. And But what were some of the other lighting designs like? Were they riffs on that or were they... Totally different.
2: Some were riffs on the bubble shape itself. Mm. So we have a drawing specifically of alternative bubble shapes. And I'm making (laughs) air quotes right now. Um, And then different uh, bases to put them on. So you just kind of imagine, oh, a teak base on um, a bubble lamp would be really nice. So things like that then can potentially inform product development for us. So Herman Miller recently brought back the Nelson Thin Edge bed, and um, a lot of that product development work was informed through drawings in the archive, um, marketing material, photography. So all of that stuff is still very useful when we're reconsidering classic pieces from the past to then reintroduce into the market today.
1: Uh, If you could take home any piece of furniture from from work from the company... (laughs) And have it, what would it be?
2: Oh, man. Um, I'm a really big Alexander Girard fan. And we have an Alexander Girard group. Um, Girard did a furniture group first for Braniff Airlines for their. lounges and airports and then that later became commercialized for herman miller it was only in the line for about a year and a half because if you google it it's very funky looking um and we have a love seat in the archives that i would love to take home
1: i thought you were gonna say an airport lounge oh <laughs> uh
2: maybe perhaps yeah um, sure good nice. seating, <laughs> good
0: seating too. It's hard to come by. So right. if you work at a company where you're looking at beautiful seating it's all true. the time, you must have a lot of things that you cover. My
2: butt is always <laughs> very
0: comfortable. <laughs> I'm like deeply jealous. That statement makes me so jealous. Yeah,
1: <laughs> Our chairs are fine.
0: Yeah, they're fine, but deeply comfortable. I'm mean, not. I would never use the word
1: deeply. <laughs>
2: um, I would also say too. I mean, the archive is really a graphic design. Uh, honey hole to use a, a, a pickers expression. Um, but I've never heard that phrase before. we <laughs> need to watch more of the pickers on the history channel.
0: What is the pickers? American I'm sorry. We have to take pickers. a detour. What is American that? American
2: pickers. Is it like
0: antiques roadshow, but like different? It's
2: like, bro dudes, like, yeah, driving it's around. Yeah, two guys in the truck, right?
1: Yeah, two now two guys I understand why truck. I don't watch it. It has bro yeah, dudes.
2: They're yeah. like, ah, oh, a Shell gas station sign from 1940. Yeah, it's,
1: it's mostly them buying gas station and, like, old Coke <laughs> signs yeah. from, like, from these, like, hoarders with these garages full of stuff and then they like kind of brag about how much they rip them off wait jeremiah you watch this show too i watched a few i had an old roommate who used to watch it a bunch i feel like everyone everyone i know is watching this show and just holding out on that and bar rescue
2: (laughs) it's so you're into it it can be pretty entertaining um but yes so a honey hole uh, of graphic design history lives in the herman miller archives so i see so much printed matter that I'm like, oh, that would be great to put on my wall <laughs> um, or have on my coffee table. So I want to
0: point out the thieving motion you just made with your left hand. <laughs> uh, yes, but yeah, I bet. I mean, there must be so much, so much that hasn't really seen the light of day, at least beyond
2: well, you know,
0: people who work in the archive and work at Herman Miller.
2: So. Um, I would say Nelson, Eames, and Gerard especially, not only did they handle their furniture design, but they also handled the marketing of their um, their pieces as well. And so if the Eameses had... A new chair coming out, or we were putting out a new catalog, they would tend to handle the graphic design for their part of the catalog. And same with the Nelson office. But then you have these people sort of cross pollinating. You know, Deborah Sussman worked in the Eames office, also did some work for Girard. So you kind of just see these connections that were happening behind the scenes and sort of these people that. We're all working together, and um, while the graphic design was carried out by different offices, it very much talks to each other and is a cohesive representation of Herman Miller at that time. Um, so, yeah, I mean, kind of just seeing the who is the who's who of that time, all sort of working with Herman Miller in some way. I mean, we just published a story today on why, which is Herman Miller's editorial platform on. Um, photography by Balthazar Korab that was done for Herman Miller. And so really the fun part of my job is just sort of mining the archives for content um, and other research value. But, you know, the collection of Korab photos, no one really knew about until I sort of got in there and was just digging around and knew of Corab and same with, you know, we have a group of photography by Ezra Stoller who mm. did the photography for our first catalog. Um, lots of hydric blessings. So if you're into nerdy architectural photography, it's, I mean, everybody shot for Herman Miller. Um, yeah. so finding those sorts of
1: wormholes is kind of the best. I think yeah. speaking of resurgences, the name Balthazar, I feel like this really <laughs> is really right for... Can you see a lot of like little you, kids running around in the I Balthasar? feel like I know a couple. I live in <laughs> yeah. Brooklyn, so I feel like they're all around.
2: I would attribute that maybe to the restaurant rather than yeah. <laughs> <in
0: court. laughs> People naming their kids after the restaurant. Yeah.
1: All right, well, so, hopefully
0: there are some Coreb fans yes. out there.
1: We are going to transition. I think we might have already done it, but we're going to transition to our Thunder round, okay. which is like a, a slower lightning round. Okay. Um, I think we <laughs> might only have time for like one question, though, so I'm going to go with what is your favorite and least favorite piece of furniture that you own in your apartment or house? Don't want to assume.
2: My favorite piece pieces are, I have Ray Wilkes, um, modular sofas and Ray Wilkes was a British designer that did uh, soft seating for Herman mm-hmm. Miller in the seventies. It's kind of Herman Miller gone Pomo. Um, that is a, definite deep cut but I found <laughs> uh, a love seat and a chair um when I first moved to Michigan did you pick them I, I did I picked them <laughs> I picked them so that's my favorite piece my least favorite um oh man uh, the bed in my guest room it needs to be replaced where is
0: it from well you don't have to name names if you don't want to um, but where is it from
2: uh, it was brought into my house by my boyfriend, so it's a. <laughs> you a, said
0: br- brought into my yeah. house,
2: <laughs> our house. That's terrible. Uh, no, it's just a box spring and a mattress that has seen better days. But all right, that's fair. Um, it's not very exciting as an answer.
0: But I feel like as a well, least yeah, favorite I mean, thing, it's right. probably not going to be super. I know.
2: Well, I will say, and this is like kind of that answer of like, what's your What's your biggest uh, flaw? And like, oh, I work too hard. Um, but I would say I have—I tend to only bring things in that I love. So I've sort of, um, you know, along with my IKEA record shelving, uh, it's sort of just a little—I I say I have a chair museum at my house because I'm just <laughs> sort of bringing things in all willy nilly. Um, but yeah, it's a, it's a bit of a menagerie.
1: Sounds great to me. Yeah. <laughs> uh, one more question: mm-hmm. how do you how do you get fifty five thousand Instagram followers? <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. Yeah, we need we'd, we'd, we need, we all need the to details. know. This is just for us.
2: <laughs> I honestly don't know. Um, uh, well, I kind of attribute it to I'm very lucky in that. My jobs in the past five to seven years have been in places like rare book libraries or art museums, and so I kind of feel like I cheat. I'm around beautiful things all the time, and all I'm doing is just sharing it, but as a librarian, archivist, information pr- professional, <laughs> I feel like I'm, I'm doing a good deed, but um, I'm just lucky that I'm surrounded by beautiful things, and it's easy to snap.
1: All um, credit goes to things. Thanks. <laughs> and it's, if you don't
0: follow Amy on Instagram, you really should. And your handle is?
2: Acid underscore free.
0: It's basically the best Instagram handle. I love it. Because <laughs> it's like nerdy, but like nerdy cool, you know? It's like you kind of have to be in
2: you have, on the
0: inside to like know what it's a reference to. You have to.
2: to know that acid-free folders are the best for uh, photography or any other sort of document. It Word. has Yeah. You do have
0: to. I'm into it. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. Um, so where else can people find you out on the internet? I mean, you've mentioned the Herman Miller blog, and we've mentioned your fabulous Instagram.
2: I'm probably most active on Instagram, but I would say keep up on hermanmiller.com um, slash why. That's
0: W-H-Y, not just like the letter W H yeah,
2: Y, okay. where we talk about why Herman Miller does things or designs things or et cetera. Um, but we, I um, work with our editorial team pretty closely to sort of curate, you know, what we are talking about on why, because it's, you know, stuff like core apps photography, but then it's also, you know, research from our R and D department about open offices. So it's sort of a, a catch all for everything Herman Miller. Cool. Well, thank you so much for coming by. Thanks thank for you. having it's me. nice to chat.
0: You just listened to the fifth episode of the second season of The Curbed Appeal, and we hope you enjoyed what you heard.
1: Please subscribe in iTunes, the podcast section of the Spotify app, rate us five stars in iTunes, and tweet at us at us at the Curbed Appeal.
0: And if you want to read more about Herman Miller, you can check out our piece, Company Town, about Herman Miller and its manufacturing process at curb.com.